0: And a very warm welcome. You're joining us tonight at Hyde Park on Other Adderderna 24. As Sri Lanka has received an official confirmation, an agreement in principle by the Official Creditor Committee, co-chaired by India, Japan and France yesterday on specific financing terms to reduce Sri Lanka's debt in line with the parameters set in the IMF programme we thought we'll talk about Sri Lanka's debt restructuring process, how the 2024 budget has set uh, the path towards recovery, sustainable recovery that the IMF is talking about, and the kind of development that all Sri Lankans look forward to. Uh, The central bank governor himself has uh, expressed confidence in unlocking the second tranche of the IMF in December. While we talk about that, we have invited to our studios, first let me uh, warm welcome joining me in studio Professor S.P. Premaratna from the Department of Economics of the University of Colombo. A very warm welcome to you. We also have with us joining virtually uh, Dr. Nadim Ulhaq, the former IMF resident representative in Sri Lanka. Uh, he has served at the IMF for 24 years and led technical assistance missions and policy and research teams and served as IMF resident representative both in Egypt and Sri Lanka previously. A warm welcome to you, Dr. Nadim. Thank you. Um, I'd like to start off with Dr. Nadim uh, to follow up on uh, some of the conversations we've had over this year and the last year with the developments of the crisis in Sri Lanka and the agreement Sri Lanka reached with the IMF. Now there is uh, some kind of agreement in principle with the uh, official um, creditor committee co chaired by India, Japan, France, and also the Chinese Exim Bank uh, Um, confirmed in October, somewhere around uh, the the second week of October, that this this, uh, agreement that China is ready uh, to uh, support Sri Lanka in the restructuring process, which was seen as a positive step towards uh, the restructuring process. What is your view of the achievements Sri Lanka has made so far and the challenges ahead for the country?
1: Look, I think we must recognize that this is only the beginning. Sri Lanka, like Pakistan, my country, we've had a very deep crisis. And the crisis has happened because we have postponed decisions for a long, long time. So I think like Pakistan, Sri Lanka also needs to take some deep decisions for a start, start thinking about our destiny, our future. I mean, I think the most important thing is IMF program is just a temporary solve. Basically, what's happening is that the economy is hemorrhaging and the IMF comes in and puts a band-aid on it, that's not that's only the beginning. Now, if you really want to put yourself on a sustainable path, I think Sri Lanka really has to take a deep view of the subsidy situation. I think we have to we have to remove a huge amount of subsidies and we have to really rethink the role of the state. Do you want to be a welfare state? If you want to be, then you must really understand that the welfare state only happens when you have a very rich economy and you have a very deep tax space and you've got all kinds of other things that are at work. We are building a welfare state to early A, and B, we are not building enough room for investment. We are not building enough room for people to export. I think this is the key direction which policy needs to go. For example, I'll talk more about Pakistan because I know Pakistan very well. I know Sri Lanka, but now not so well. We are protecting cars. And I think it's a mistake. We've got an industry that doesn't export, but just just produces cars locally. We are protecting fertilizer. And fertilizer fertilizer can't export, and we can't do anything with fertilizer except give them cheap gas, which is a subsidy. So in that sense, we've got a large amount of subsidies, we subsidize wheat and sugar, which we can't possibly keep subsidizing anymore. So I think we really need a deep dive into a subsidy situation. We need to understand which subsidies we can afford, which we can't. And which subsidies really go to the people. The sugar subsidy doesn't go to the people. The wheat subsidy doesn't go to the people. It goes to the, to the people who produce the sugar and the, and the wheat flour. So I think we really need to understand this and then again what we have in pakistan is nobody's willing to invest because there's a huge regulatory machine that stops people from investing and this business about taxation which imf recommends always i'm opposed to this i don't think we should think so much about taxation at this stage we should really think about investment how do you get investment to get increase and anything that you can do including getting rid of all regulation just tell people to invest tell people from overseas to come and invest, tell Sri Lankans to invest. If they can make buildings, make building. If they can make uh, pencils, make pencils. If they can make sharpeners, they can make sharpeners. Whatever they can, Sri Lankans can produce, they should produce. So there has to be a deep rethink in the government, which I'm sure, I don't know much about Sri Lanka, as I said, I'm far, but hasn't happened in my country, despite the deep crisis. And when we get a, a debt rescheduling, we kind of tend to accept that we've got a gift. We don't think that it is a need to reform. And I think what I need to understand maybe Professor Ratna can talk about it. How much is Sri Lanka reformed? How much Sri Lanka has really changed or is it just the same old IMF prescription and five years later we'll be back to the IMF?
0: Thank you, Dr. Nadeem, for your initial comments. I'd like to turn to uh, Professor S.P. Premaratna here in studio. Professor Premaratna, um, if we uh, take a cue from uh, Dr. Nadeem Ulhak's comments as well, I'd like to um, question you about your thoughts on Sri Lanka's path to progress and recovery from this crisis. The budget 2024, whether we are really putting or setting the stage for this, or if it is certainly, um, yes, catering to IMF requirements, but is it also looking at the needs and the requirements of the common man today in Sri Lanka? Uh,
2: Yeah, I think that's a very uh, good question. So so IMF uh, interventions uh, or IMF coming to Sri Lanka, that is the one of the, uh, right now the best thing, uh, because we had the time, uh, the international community, including IMF, World Bank also had a problem with the Sri Lankan situation. That is uh, one thing. And the uh, IMF also not the uh, last solution also. Uh, the, with the uh, current policies uh, led by the IMF reforms, uh, certain things, uh, maybe uh, we have questions, some mm-hmm. kind of attacks and those kind of thing. Uh, but the, the basic condition in the country uh, like uh, already discussed, uh, investor-friendly environment. So that's where the main thing IMF also uh, targeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we uh, get, the because the one of the main thing in the country like Sri Lanka, uh, we have to look at the investment. Mm-hmm. So within the country, uh, the our capacity, we look at the per capita income and the, the people, investors' capacity is not enough we have to look at the foreign investors, mm-hmm. uh, basically foreign direct investors mm-hmm. because the getting loan somehow we past few years fail and uh, get to the foreign investors, foreign direct investors, we need the uh, competitive global com- competitive environment. So IMF basically target there but we have the certain short term uh, requirement so that what also IMF addressing. Uh, if the internal uh, environment, including our pu- general public, the government and the officers and the private sector, those are the big parties. They also, if ready, I think uh, this may go d- good direction, short term and the long term. But there are some certain things like, uh, uh, I personally don't agree, also the com- uh, community level also don't agree level of tax mm-hmm. and th- this kind of thing. Uh, the restructuring also very good uh, uh, steps. Uh, the way of restructuring is still uh, I don't know it's what, how it's happening, uh, but the restructuring is very important. Uh, so this is a good move and, uh, but still uh, within the country, including like I mentioned the people and we have to people's mindset also we have to look at. And the politician side, the government side also, we have to, and the private sector also, we have to little bit uh, change in the change and what we call game, change. Uh, with that, uh, uh, I think the move in the good direction. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah uh, maybe I'll touch on what you do not agree uh, later on in the discussion. Turning to Dr. Ul Haq, who's joining us uh, virtually. Um, y- I remember during our previous conversations too, you mentioned about the welfare state and how Sri Lanka should really increase on taxes and now the IMF. Um, Uh, They have spoken about uh, how important Sri Lanka Lanka needs to commit to uh, increasing revenues and uh, signal better governance by adopting needed tax measures. Uh, It is said that Sri Lanka's tax to GDP ratio will be 12%. next year, and the target is to go up to 15%. With all this, Dr. Ulhag, do you think this kind of taxation is really something that the people of this country can bear, can, can withstand? Uh, the IMF says it's needed, but in your opinion, coming from our part of the world, what is your opinion?
1: Look, I think the IMF is only concerned about balancing the budget. Now, of course, they want more taxation because they get the feeling that you don't want to balance your budget, that you don't want to get rid of subsidies, you don't want to reduce your government expenditures. My question is, to my country as well as yours, why do we need such huge government expenditures? Why can't we reduce our government expenditures? And that is something that we should really look at. For example, we've done this exercise in Pakistan where we looked at the cost of our public servant. And we find that a public servant is a huge cost. Even if you hire a low-level sort of, uh, let's say, driver or a peon or something, he has a huge cost because you guarantee him a job forever, and you also guarantee him a pension. And in the pension, there are 17 family members who can be who can have survivor rights. So we need to really change our pension system. Our pension system is obsolete. I remember Sri Lanka had that problem too. I don't know whether you've reformed that or not. I hope you do. Then the other thing is, how many government departments should we have? Then the third thing is, who are your competitors? Just look at that. For example, your competitors are Dubai. Now, Dubai has an open economy. Dubai has an economy without taxes. Now, why should if a Pakistani businessman or, let's say, an Indian businessman wants to locate, they'll choose Dubai. Why won't they choose Sri Lanka? I think Sri Lanka has to position itself, and I've been saying this in Sri Lanka, has to position itself to be a competitor to Dubai indian pakistani businessmen must choose sri lanka to invest in not dubai sri lanka is a far more pleasant climate sri lanka is a far better human capital stock etc but they are not choosing that because why for example simple thing i still remember you had that thing i can't buy a property in dubai why can't I? sorry in sri lanka i can buy a property in dubai why can't i buy uh, let's say uh, the, the, the what is what is that thing called world trade center why can't a pakistani come and buy a world trade center Someone will disappear right? The, in New York, Rockefeller Center is owned by the Japanese. So we need to change that. Then the third thing is, what kind of a tax system do you have? Tariff system. I don't th- think Sri Lanka is very open. Will you be an open economy where a foreign investor can come and actually invest? Or even local. Foreign investors only go where there's local investment. If the average Sri Lankan is not willing to invest, why should I come there? So the first thing is, your investment rate has to go up. As I said, it doesn't matter whether people are opening up kiosks. It doesn't matter whether people are opening hotels. It doesn't matter whether they are arranging tourist trips. or I don't care. The question is there must be a buzz of economic activity. Have you done the deregulation to have a buzz of economic activity? Is that buzz of economic activity attracting people from Sri Lanka, Pakistan? Because if you are Bangladesh, if you attract local people, then foreigners will come too. So we really have to focus on that. How do we bring a buzz of investment here? Or, for example, I remember Sri Lanka had some gambling casinos, which people were very uncomfortable with, okay? Do you want to expand that industry? Or, you know, do you want to, I remember Sri Lanka used to make some good textile stuff. Do you want, can you expand that textile industry? But the key question is, are Sri Lankans willing to invest in your economy? And if they are not, why are they not willing to invest? Is it government barriers? Is it the the tax system, what is it? That's what we have to unlock.
0: Um, Professor S.P. Premaratha, I'd like to turn to you here. You mentioned that uh, you're not in agreement in the, ca- the level of taxation that we are seeing today. Yes, there has been um, a lot of opposition, whether it's from the professionals or the people or certain sectors of society. So how do you propose that we um, move about the question of taxation. For a long time, we were talking about the importance and the necessity to increase the tax net and improve or widen the tax net. But here, again, with uh, the requirements of the IMF, we've gone to unprecedented levels. Um, It's difficult for people to bear, but then it is said that it is needed for the Sri Lankan economy. What is your view here?
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, before I uh, talk about the uh, the current taxation and tax rate, uh, we have to a little bit look at the kind of theory why uh, government need the tax uh, tax collection. That's the one of the ways government uh, getting revenue. There are some other ways so non-tax revenues and the uh, non-conventional sources also. Mm. But I feel that we have to move uh, even the tax and the non-tax traditional uh, revenue sources innovative way. The other thing also we have to move more uh, non-conventional revenue sources. That's the major thing. Uh, Why the government need the revenue in whatever the conventional or non-conventional? So, the government need the revenue to address the issues in the country what we call the market failure. So, in no, the market failure, we don't need the government. Now that coming, if the government is the only one entity, one institution in the country, the main institutions, the people and the producers. Now if we look at the basic economics formula, the Y equals C plus I plus G plus X minus M, so the government collect tax revenue from the C part. What is the C part? The general individual consumption and the corporate consumption, those are individual areas. So what the government put pressure to C, when they put pressure to C, three things happen. The one is the individuals, the other one is the business community, the other one is the government. If you look at the individuals, the individual's uh, pressure coming from tax. When you look at the tax, two level of tax, direct tax and indirect tax. And also we have the non-tax, but the common tax, what we call inflation. Now, if you look at in Sri Lanka, tax, direct tax on average, 27%. Indirect tax on average, 15%. Inflation on average, uh, but this is more than that 45%. If you count that 77%, we pay whatever you earn, let's say you earn 100 rupees, you pay 77 to the government different ways. If you take the top 36 group, 96 if you earn 100 rupees, 96 you pay to the government. So that is the situation. Now, the Everybody, even including IMF, maybe thinks and Sri Lankan per capita income, paying capacity is there. We have to look at the economic activities, if you look at 62%, 62 to 65% of the economic activities belong to informal sector, they don't pay tax. And also in Sri Lankan economy, about 13%, 15% illegal economic activities, including drugs, corruption, commission, those money. If they at together, about 87% is coming to illegal, either informal sector. So they don't pay the tax. Now, those who pay the tax only about 15-13%. They are also, government put pressure on the professional and the middle income level. And the business communities also, that's what I'm taking, individual, the individual, professional and the middle-income group. Now, middle-income group is a very small percentage in the country. Mm-hmm. Most of them are government sector and the others are private sector. So the pressures come into the middle-income, this professional, they are living country, already left most of them. And what happened, their demand side reduced. The economy moved due to two ways, the demand and supply so what happened the demand reduced the the product producers they don't need to produce uh, so that is also affected and the supply side also when the individuals incomes uh, i mean income disposable income goes down their savings goes down become most probably close to zero when the savings closer to zero investment goes down that is affect to the supply side also that is the thing so the argument is uh, crowding out, because if this happened, the government sector get that money, invest. Because that's the formula work. The government sector using this money, there is questionable whether the productivity way or any, because the government has to address the market failure, support the private sector move along. But the government doing business is inefficiency is not all referring Sri to
0: L- the state-owned enterprises or?
2: Yeah, even the state enterprises or in the public sector, usually in Northern Sri Lanka, the many countries inefficient mm-hmm. because the, there are some philosophical things also happen. So in that way, the government collecting huge amount of money when you earn 100 rupees, 96 quarts of the government, that uh, issue is coming. And also we had, IMF also had to look at, Sri Lanka right, exceed the optimal level of taxation. So the optimal level reached when happen happen, even the short run, the government revenue also goes down. Maybe this happened two three years. Even the international studies in the other countries also prove that the long term, this kind of after optimal level, even the direct tax or indirect tax, reach the long term, the revenue goes down because people move away from the businesses and the people move investors move away from the country and the individual business communities also convert into the move, I mean try to move the informal mm-hmm. sector. Mm-hmm. All of things happen, the long term, if the government revenue goes down, if the district rate goes, and also economic mm-hmm. growth also. There are so many studies in different countries. For example, Pakistan, uh, I know the one study the if the uh, tax increase by 1% in the th- out of GDP percentage, is affect to the economic growth after three years, 2.5%, because that's a negative relationship. Okay. So we have to look at that negative relationship. It's a uh, tax is not everybody's, uh, I mean, medicine. Okay. We have to look at some other ways. Tax damage to the long run to the economy. is not only developing countries and developed countries improve. Uh, I remember one study in the European countries and uh, on average, after three years, If you deduct, for example, direct tax one percent, the help to the economy grow, additional 0.34. After three years, this is 10-year average. And the employment additional growth, uh, 0.54. Now, UK also, I found this study, that from GDP, if you deduct tax one percent, the economy grow, additional 2.5 percent. The long run, short run within the, I have done a recently study also in Sri Lankan country, after three years this negative relationship obvious. So that we have to look at. So my thing is government need money right now, short term, because the why government need money, The everybody has talked, uh, I mean the some, uh, last few years, uh, so the economic collapse and this thing happened, so but the thing is, uh, it's not the way, only tax. Tax is the long term, it's affect to the society, individual like I said, the business community, even the government also. So that's what we have to address, we have to look at.
0: Right, right, I think I'd like to talk about the short term measures you propose too, but maybe seek a comment from uh, Dr. Uhak about the the tax component, the level of taxation in Sri Lanka. Value added tax is uh, slated to increase from by 3%, from 15 to 18%. And there is common concern that this curtails consumption in the economy, uh, further curtailing supply chains and economic growth. But going forward, how do you uh, propose, uh, Dr. Nadeem, that uh, Sri Lanka moves ahead? On one side, you have to work with the IMF based on the external fund facility agreement that Sri Lanka has reached to. And on the other, there are creditor nations who are Um, who are waiting to see how Sri Lanka progresses out of this mess. And at the same time, you have to balance out uh, the economy, the private sector, the people of this nation.
1: Look, it's very simple. The world expects to be repaid. There's no way out of it. And when you are in a position where the world expects to be repaid, you have to have the IMF in the middle. There's just no other way. This is given. This is written in stone. You can't turn away from it. So the IMF is going to be there, and the world wants to be repaid. The world has given you a, some kind of a um, rebate, but that, more than that, you can't get. Now the question is, Professor is absolutely right. I agree with him, Professor Patmarathna, that you know we need to be careful. We need to understand, you know, how things are working. Agreed. We need to sorry. We need to accept the fact that the tax increasing taxation is recessionary. Yes, nobody is denying that. Increasing taxation is recessionary. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely correct. But then the issue is, what do we do? You can't let government expenditures run away and not expect taxation. Why are government expenditures so high? Professor Premaratna says it's market failure. I don't know what market failure is. You have to prove market failure. You can't assume market failure. Is it market failure? that the government wants to subsidize agriculture? Is it market failure that the government wants to subsidize uh, you know, uh, people? Is it market failure that the government doesn't want to import tea? Is it market failure that you have all kinds of restrictions on trade? I don't think it's market failure. I think, quite frankly, somebody needs to sit down and have a deep rethink. You run into a deep, it's like hitting a wall. You hit a wall. There's a big crash. Now the question is, how do we rethink? For example, does the banking system still have to be owned by the government, right? The Bank of People's Bank and Bank of Ceylon, I believe, are still with the government. Is the stock market open or not open? I mean, how are we going to change the vision of Sri Lanka? It's the same thing. question I keep asking Pakistan. What is our vision? What do we want to be? Do you, does Sri Lanka want to be a tourist destination? Does Sri Lanka want to be a tea destination? Does Sri Lanka want to be an, ex, um, um, what, do you, what do you call it, export processing zone, whatever? You have to make up your mind and clearly go in that direction. Sri Lanka still has a problem like Pakistan. We all want to be big countries. We want to have big things, we have to do this. No, you can't. Uh, as I said, your competitor is Dubai. Look at the tax structure in Dubai. Look at the investment structure in Dubai. If you want to attract capital and you want to compete with Dubai, then you have to think about it. If you don't, then fine. Then you have to pay the price. So increase taxation, do whatever. The books have to balance. The world demands the books balance. G minus T, as the professor said, government minus taxation has to come down. Period. Government expenditure minus taxation. In fact, it has to come down to zero or even positive. Now, if that happens... Sorry, negative G minus T has to be largely negative or down to zero. Now, if that has to happen, something has to give. So, I'm sorry, the government size has to be cut, pensions have to go, and the domestic debt has to change direction. Many things have to be done. The government has to be bold. And if you can't be bold, and if you're still going to think, no, no, this can't be done, that can't be done, then I'm sorry, then the IMF program is the only option you have. Change the way you do business. Think about reducing all kinds of regulation. For example, as I said, if I want to come and buy a house in Sri Lanka, why not? You need the foreign exchange. Why can't I come and buy the World Trade Center? Is that a market failure that somebody can't buy the World Trade Center? So I think there's a lot of rethinking that has to be done. On this basis, Sri Lankan can't be property, can't be owned by foreigners. The rest of the world doesn't have that. London doesn't have that. Switzerland doesn't have that. What What is this? Why can't we stop all this? So this domestic deregulation is the key, I think. Domestic government shrinkage is the key.
0: Right, I think uh, we'll speak further, but we'll take a short break here at Hyde Park on other a 24 to return shortly and to discuss more. Do stay with us. Welcome back. You're joining us at Hyde Park on other than a 24 as we discuss Sri Lanka's path to recovery and the ongoing debt restructuring process. We are in conversation with uh, former IMF Resident Representative in Sri Lanka Dr. Nadeem Ulhaq, who's joining us virtually and in studio Professor SP Premaratna uh, from the Department of Economics from the University of Colombo. Um, we, we heard Dr. Uhak speaking about uh, Sri Lanka's situation presently, whether it's taxation, whether it's the market situation. Um, uh, I'll, I'll seek an explanation from you, too, about this, about this uh, uh, current taxation and the IMF. We have got into this mess, but Sri Lanka has to deal with um, those who lent money to us. We borrowed money from them, and we have to manage these outstanding loans, and at the same time, um, there is a massive um, debt-to-GDP ratio that Sri Lanka is dealing with. Um, yes, there's pressure on the people. Uh, so, how do you um, propose that we handle and manage this situation, Professor, in the short term, in the immediate term, while complying with IMF requirements?
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, the what uh, good thing you mentioned. The we need loan. Uh, the getting loan. I think this is uh, not the main focus today, but the getting loan is uh, not an issue. Even the individual and the business uh, entrepreneurs, they need the loan and they use that loan for uh, the profit-making purpose. Uh, what Sri Lanka had happened, we took so many loan and it maybe the maybe 100% also. Uh, but we did not use those loans in the productive purpose. Mm-hmm. That's what happened exactly. Even if you look at the uh, uh, UK, the British government also, the loan, the uh, it's about the 325% higher than Sri Lanka. But they use those loans in the productivity purpose. So that issue. Uh, and what I see is the Sri Lanka has to, uh, looking at the, the short term issue with the IMF support, but the, we need the vision to move forward the economy. There we have to look at the basically three pillars, the economy, inclusiveness, and the environment that is also related to Sustainable Development Goals. Now the government has to look at within these three pillars and they are also, if you look at the economy, there are several sectors. Uh, Sometime back, uh, I did a study with the World Bank and the Ministry of Finance, it's about the National Social Protection Strategy. Uh, We propose a strategy, with that strategy we calculate if we implement the good social protection uh, is they hem- help the economy grow about 65%, so 65% of the economic growth we can manage using the good social protection strategy, that what we propose also, uh, I don't know the what happened that one that we had to talk to Ministry of Finance and look at what had happened, there we look at the three pillars, now when you talk about the social protection right now we can say the Samurdhi and things also we are looking at only so assistance, social assistance, social welfare, that is a minor part, because that is the what in history also we only focus and like uh, if I use this word maybe also you may uh, think of badly with me, in Sri Lanka the, we consider the poverty as the religious, so, so it's not the way we have to treat the poverty and the we have the people, vulnerable people like uh, women and different groups and not the way we treat the uh, social protection, yeah. there are the other, other two pillars like insurance and the social security and also the labour market. And uh, those areas we have to address and also the other the economic sector, technology also. We are not, uh, I mean, the, even the expense so much money, research and development and technology. Uh, I remember this program. Also, one of the uh, doctor Indi, Dr. Uh, Indira, Rappen, I think, okay. recently talked about the strategic plan. We need a good strategic plan to the country, and with that way, identify those pillars. Uh, within those pillars, if you introduce uh, good policies in each pillar and each sectors. Uh, it would be the long-term economic growth, not difficult. One of the main thing when you look at the pillars, people mindset also. Because when you try to move away from the subsidies and things also, people also are. But they don't think of the subsidies, this kind of create the economics we call moral hazard problem. Because we don't feel when you use those subsidies, that's your own money. Mm-hmm. So that's what the moral hazard because they are third party involvement. Uh, so those kind of things we have to address, and the so mainly we have that
0: we have to move out of these uh, the, the handouts and the, the kind of subsidies that we are uh, giving out to the people. Uh,
2: Necessary support we need, mm-hmm. not the way the subsidies. Uh, now even the samurdhi uh, nowadays I also working with the graduation. Mm-hmm. The, I, I, what I mentioned the social national protection also we propose the graduation thing. The graduation also we have to look at the transformation way, not just like again the patches. For example graduation if you look at the, again the rural level, start a small kind of a micro level businesses right now also then, that doesn't work. Because the years and years those kind of businesses even the government, non-government organization, and other microfinance institution also giving money, but it's not uh, work out. We need a kind of transformational changes. For example, in the Vietnam, if you really study, really look at, they identify each region's uh, good industrial clusters. For take those industrial clusters, uh, they develop companies. Those uh, workers will be in the rural areas become shareholders of this company. So this automatically they can enter the export market. When you look at the export market here, now annually in Sri Lankan per person earn about $585 from export. We expend for import per person about $832. Mm -hmm. So that gap we have to fill. So fill that gap The problem is we need the investment. So where the investment comes, not the government revenue. Investment comes from the foreign countries and within the local communities and the private sector. The government has to support this, uh, create the uh, good external enabling business environment. So in that way, only the economy move, the long run. Short run, we need money. As you said, also that, But I feel that tax is not only way, Mm -hmm. we have to look at the innovative ways, even the tax also, not the increase the tax rate, like I mentioned the informal sector 62%, illegal business 52%, we have to capture, broaden the tax base, not the increase the tax rate. When you increase the tax rate, for example, you work eight hours, increase the tax rate, uh, you start working maybe seven hours. That has happened also, and the community, business community also like that. If you work seven days, uh, they open the company, maybe they start to five days because the, they look at the marginal utility. Right. So, that way, the non-conventional revenue and the different ways, the not increasing tax rate, because the, uh, if you someone know the Lucas curve, also we approach the optimal level. Now we have to go back and looking at the tax base white. Right. So that's what we have to do.
0: Right. That part. Um, and uh, Dr. Nadim, um, in your expertise, working at the IMF for 24 years how do you think this, the, the debt restructuring process is going to span out for Sri Lanka? We've, of course, received um, uh, the assurances from China and also the official committee, uh, creditor committee, also that, that this process, uh, that there is support from these nations in principle. But in your expertise, how do you think this process is going to go for Sri Lanka at this stage?
1: Everybody is looking at one thing. What is your plan? If you look at any company, let's say, for example, I borrow, borrow money from you, and I say, oh, I'm in trouble. Everybody wants to see how am I going to get out of trouble? If I have a Mercedes, am I going to sell it? If I have a big house, am I going to sell it? So people are looking at you and at Pakistan. What are we going to do? And most important question is, how much pain are we going to take? You want the creditors to take pain. Are you going to take any pain? Now, this talk that I hear that social protection and this, that, etc you're saying our people can't take pain, but you have to take pain. I'm sorry, this doesn't sell. We have to figure out, hey, where is the pain that we can take, right? If you want all kinds of protection, all kinds of insurances, then you have to pay for it. The foreigners can't pay for it. So the question is, are you willing to overprotect your society? Are you willing to overinsure your society? Look at it another way. Most economists in the subcontinent love to tell you, hey, there are so many poor and I know what they want to do. But look at the poor. The poor help themselves. They don't need us to help them. The poor migrate. And the best social protection they've got is when they migrate and they send remittances back. You know, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, India, the remittance economy is very big. And the remittance economy is what has reduced the poverty rate. Now, the question is, are we willing to let go? I think the biggest question that you guys have to face, that we have to face, that nobody wants to face, because we keep talking about social protection and we keep talking about the government should, use, the government should, use. my view is very simple. The government is already doing way too much. We need the government to get out of the way. As the professor said, the government takes six percent of taxation or 72%, whatever he said. Huge amount of money the government is taking. What is it doing with it? Paying public servants with the lifetime guarantee of a job why should there be a lifetime guarantee of a job for a few people why should the labor market not be flexible why should government people not be thrown out and go and seek a job elsewhere if the private sector is doing it why shouldn't they so i think that these are the tough questions that we want to ask ourselves are the government people our favorite children who should be protected should they be are the government people's pensions you know secure for the rest of their lives should they be is social protection something that we are going to guarantee is agriculture insurance these things come at a price is health health uh, whatever insurance required we put in health insurance too now when you do all these things then you have to figure out how to pay for them unfortunately we rush to do these things without figuring out how to pay for them so the question that i want to put to sri lanka is where's the pain why should the private the foreign creditors take uh, cut and you not take a cut and why should your government not take a cut this is the question that you have to ask if you don't want the government to take a cut then by all means imf is right pay the price pay more taxes
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of uh, talking about an innovative economy or a manufacturing economy, once again, Dr. Uh, Ohak, how do you think Sri Lanka should look at this situation now? The president himself has been talking about how he wants to lead the economy towards a manufacturing, innovative economy. But here, uh, how do you really set the stage here in a situation as this? Do we have to focus on research and development, spend more on education? or is, is there other fundamentals that we have to look at?
1: I think, yes, you're right on all things. Yes, you have to spend more on education, but depends on what kind of education. We spend a lot on education, but the quality is very bad. So I think our issue is not expenditure on education. Our issue is the quality of education. Are we producing global level research? Are we even trying to do research? And most important of all is the government. Is the government ready to take research? Does the government demand research? It doesn't demand research. Then at the same time, when you set up an industry that's protected, that industry doesn't demand research. We want uh, an industry, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's hoteling, whether it's tourism, whether it's um, retail, it has to be a globally competitive industry. Think about it. McDonald's makes hamburgers. Look at how much money they make. Think about it. Starbucks makes coffee and tea. Sri Lanka is the largest tea producing country in the world. Sri Lanka has a great tea, uh, uh, you know, tea. I was there, I remember going to the tea auction. What have you done with the tea? Sri Lanka is not the tea capital of the world. It should be the tea capital of the world. Why is it not a tea capital of the world? Because you guys have too many restrictions on your tea auction, on your tea market, etc. Let's open up the tea market. Let Sri Lanka compete in the tea market. You had some great brands, I remember. You, I still get them in Pakistan, in, in Pakistan, Delma, et cetera. Why are they not compete, internationally competitive? What are the drawbacks to them? I think you have to go where the market wants to go. Government can't dictate. Government, as Milton Friedman used to tell me a long time ago, if you're so smart and, and you know what the market is doing, then go get rich. I don't know where the market wants to go. But I know one thing. If you let the market work, it will find its own equilibrium. So the government has to get out of the way and let the market work.
0: Uh, Professor Premrath, you might have something to add to that, but I would also want to ask you a question. You represent the top academic tier in Sri Lanka, the university academics. Talking about innovation, research, or um, a manufacturing economy, do we create? Yes, of course, we produce the brains, but there's brain drain. But what is missing here? What's the missing formula? Uh, I
2: think uh, I just uh, I want to respond to that question also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being I, the, we, our university system, we have right uh, uh, industry, university business sales. Uh, in Columbia University, I was the p- uh, first director and also I did the entrepreneurship also. Uh, I think uh, in the innovation is the because we live in the uh, fourth industrial revolution and move into fifth industrial revolution. But it's still our thinking like a first industrial revolution, the agriculture age. So that's a very important area, the innovation, the whatever the government policy has to look at the innovation, Now, education, right, today also I did the, we are doing the study for achieving the sustainable development goal, there we look at the education pillar. Uh, in Sri Lanka, even doing nothing, to by 2028, we reached the 100%. So, something wrong we expend in education, everybody say we have to spend more in education, but uh, we try to uh, develop a scenarios to, uh, for example, increase the 20% of education. Uh, so, that way that by 25, uh, we reach the optimal level. So, the missing point here, the education, the quality education like what we already discussed. Quality education, we, do, we don't have, STEM education, science, technology and also university. You see in Sri Lankan about 60% enter the university who pass the A level. And the university degree that level education very important. Though we say the 96% read and write that's not enough. So the innovation when you mention the innovation is the key pillar the economy. Without innovation you can't move, that's the productivity also. What we try to reliance on the foreign uh, technology, either we buy from China or India. We don't try to develop our own technology, that is our wrong with our education system also. Recently for uh, ADB, we try to develop a proposal, I did of course, Uh, The rural level set up the innovation center, and the rural A level student who pay the or pass the A level, even the uh, farmers also go there, those centers, they they independently develop their uh, innovative ideas. So the problem is, we have so many innovative ideas. If you look at the professionally talk, maybe they go to Singapore, they go to Australia, they go to Middle East, and there they propose, they are good ideas. Why Sri Lankan setup, hmm, Sri Lankan environment, those uh, even if you look at the Moratuwa University, even the school leavers, they do, they have innovative ideas. They, uh, I mean, even the COVID period also, you saw that new things coming. Only problem is our system is not ready uh, to lift up them. Okay. So we need policies to bring them. Industries also, same thing. Uh, rather than manufacturing sector, though the President says we have to look at the innovation, service sector and innovation, innovative driven economy, not the manufacturing. Okay. Now, they are the manufacturing, then you talk at, we have to look at the value creation. Now Sri Lankan culture also, we somehow culturally against the value creation. For example, we still would like to go to the paddy pill and take the paddy and make the rice, we like to eat. But if someone make with the rice a breads or chocolate, We say this is the cholesterol, this is the sugar, and it's not good. That kind of culture we have also. We need the innovative way, innovation, Mm -hmm. uh, to bring the society move forward. Otherwise, uh, agriculture, even the agriculture sector also, we need the innovation. Mm -hmm.
0: I have about a minute for final thoughts. I'm told that we are running out of time. Professor Ulha, Dr. Nadim Ulhaq.
1: I agree entirely with Professor Bemra. You have to be innovative in everything you do in this world. Unfortunately, we want to retain our colonial system. We want to retain the past. We want to protect people. We don't want to take a risk with moving into the future. Professor is right that we need innovation, but Professor Saab, innovation also requires risk-taking. If you protect everything under the sun, there's no risk-taking. I think the government has to get out of the way. The government has to shrink itself And the government has to allow Sri Lanka to become a Dubai, allow Sri Lanka to become an open economy, allow Sri Lanka to welcome everybody with open arms, and allow Sri Lanka to invest in anything. It could be gambling, it could be anything. That's the kind of risk you need to take when you're in deep trouble. But if you think that you can continue with the past and recover, I'm sorry it's not going to happen.
0: Thank you very much for joining us for your thoughts and for sharing your expertise, Dr. Nadeem Ohak, former IMF resident representative in Sri Lanka who served at the IMF for 24 years and has been uh, having leading roles in Pakistan, the Deputy Chairman of Planning uh, Commission uh, of Pakistan and also um, public uh, structure reforms. Uh, You've implemented many of these in Pakistan. So thank you very much. We look forward to your presence here in Sri Lanka uh, in the future. Bye-bye. Thank you. We also had with us uh, uh, Professor S.P. Premaratna of the Department of Economics uh, and the University of uh, Colombo. Uh, You've been a professor in economics from year 2015 and a consultant in microfinance, SME and uh, gender budgeting for the University of uh, Colombo. Thank you very much for your time and for sharing your thoughts and expertise with us here at Hyde Park.
2: Thank you very much.
0: We were talking about Sri Lanka's economy, the debt restructuring process, and of course we were able to navigate into the, the question of education as well as innovation in the economy. We'll see you again next week with yet another discussion at Hyde Park on Other There a 24. Thank you for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.